Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? It's showtime, folks! Do I have everybody's attention now? We are the nation! Give me a hell yeah! Yes! What? Yes! What? Embrace the vision. We want the smoke! Everybody's got a price! For the benefit of those with flash photography. With a tear in my eye! The cream of the crop! Hey yo! You just made the list! I am the man! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wrestle Nation, pro wrestling talk for people who talk pro wrestling. This is the official podcast of Nation Extreme Wrestling, talking about all the happenings in the newest pro wrestling organization in the Pacific Northwest, as well as breaking down the world of WWE, NXT, AEW, and more. Whether it's then, now, or new, we're here to break it down. My name is Jay Bowman, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Wyatt Arndt, the stanchion, and the architect, Mike Paris. Now, folks, we are not going to let you wait any longer. We learned the other night that when people are primed for a huge announcement, you give it to them right off the bat. So let's get down to it. Some big news in NEW. We are going to be announcing the card right now for NEW1 on September 11th. All right, this is a hotly anticipated card, the first ever show for Nation Extreme Wrestling. We are thrilled to be able to bring you the card. It's a Wrestle Nation exclusive. Uh, we're going to go match by match, one announcement at a time, rather than doing it all at once, which would just be a big old mess. So I'll get it kicked off. Nicole Matthews, franchise player, will be taking on Daniel Maccabe. Next up, we've got two of the future stars of the business in Travis Williams against Judas Icarus. Uh, and then we got fan favorites, the Voros Twins, uh, going up against the Ela Tribe. We've also got Sebastian Wolf versus Evan Rivers on the card. Up next, you boys like dancing because we've got a four-way dance in our hands. We've got Ravenous Randy, Fergie, Jackie Lee, and one of my heroes in wrestling, Alex Plexus, making his big return. And then Jackie Lee's tag team partner, Sharif, is going up against Bishop next. That could be a show stealer. I'm really, really looking forward to that Sharif-Bishop match. That's going to be great. And then in your main event, it is Artemis Spencer and Elliot Tyler versus the wise men, Tony Baroni and Billy Swade. Gentlemen, what a card we Love have that. for you on September 11th. Uh, Wyatt, what's the one that jumps out at you? Potential show stealer. Uh, for me, honestly, Travis Williams, Judas Icarus, I could watch those guys wrestle all day long. Uh, I, I really do love watching them wrestle, so that, for me, is the main one on the card I want to see. What about you, Mike Paris? Going down that card, what's something that absolutely jumps off the page that you cannot wait to see at the gaming stadium on September 11th? 
Uh, that was a big one for me as well, and I also like the looks of that four-way dance. I think that's going to be that's going to be a good mix of wrestlers going up against each other. Um, you know, I like my I like my my skinny guys. I like my uh, Plexus and and uh, and Randy going at it. Uh, that should be a good one. And then, of course, I'm a big Nicole Matthews guy. So Nicole Matthews uh, and Makabe. I'm so glad they they signed Makabe. That is that is a, a great pickup that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, uh, Mike, I believe the the question was one match, and you chose three. You pile <laughs> Son of a bitch! So way to go <laughs> with a card with a card like this. It's tough. You can't just pick one. Do we have rules for a I'm reason? The card. Jesus. <laughs> You know what? We are going to break the rules. We are also going to break the rules. We were told to announce the card, but we are also going to announce the on-sale date for tickets. On-sale date will be this coming Wednesday, 10 a.m., August the 25th at www.nationextremewrestling.com, and there will be limited seating available. That is one more time. Tickets will be on sale this Wednesday, 10 a.m., nationextremewrestling.com. Okay, no, let's try. Hey, hey, boys, what, what, what do I do for a living? Not the IT stuff. What do I do I for hockey? I'm you're a writer, right. right? I write for, I write for the you're Athletic, right. one of the biggest publications in the world. I'm, I'm pretty big time. <laughs> all right. I know what I know. What it, I'm a big journalist, and you guys don't mention it enough. So everyone out there, like one of the biggest journalists you've ever met, I, I, I do the deep dives. I'm not Mike Paris. I'm not pandering and saying like every card of the match. I'm not a coward. I get to the bottom every of the card story. The match. Yeah, I love every card. Give me a break. So what I do is I go deep into the story of it. I reached out. I used my contacts. I got a hold of the best manager in wrestling, Christopher Cassidy, because uh, he's managing Sebastian Wolf. He's managing Alex Plexus. This guy's got insight, so I I reached out to him, got a hold of him, and I uh, actually asked him about the matches he'd be uh, participating in. Oh, for real? No, I again, boys. I, who do I write for? The Athletic. That's serious shit, boys. You write for the Athletic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Remember that? I have a shirt that says that. Can you can you show us the shirt? <laughs> <laughs> it's made of silk and it's in the dry cleaners right now. You know that. Come on. We you don't dry clean show. silk. What's the matter with you? You know? Oh Jesus. Shirt. Well, you know what? I haven't investigated that yet, but I will, because I'll get to the heart of it, because I'm a hardcore journalist. I guess we will go to Wyatt's hardcore yes. journalistic Wyatt's investigative journey, please. Announce, announce the segment, like I told you, Wyatt, colon, an investigative journey. Do I have to say colon? I want you to. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is the first, first, first version of Wyatt, colon, an investigative journey. Please enjoy. Exclamation mark. Wyatt, colon, an investigative (laughs) journey, exclamation mark. All right, folks. Thank you for doing this interview with me. I have one of the, I dare say it, legends of Pacific Northwest Wrestling. One of the, you know, the greatest manager slash lawyer slash whatever you need done gets done. Uh, Christopher Cassidy, thank you for doing this with me. How are you doing today? How am I doing today? I feel besmirched, first off. I, I sense the hesitation in your voice when you said the greatest. It took you a little bit to get there. And so I'm wondering who paid you off to say that or not say that. Uh, I just want to hear you say here and now, Christopher Cassidy is the greatest manager, alive or dead. You're right. Look, that's on me. I'm a little bit nervous talking to you. That's where it came from. You are the greatest manager I've ever seen in professional wrestling. I fully agree, sir. I will I will say it is a bit odd that to reach you, I had to page you. That's still a bit of old technology to me. Uh, you're still a pager guy, I see. 
It's the, 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 sometimes the old technology is the best technology. People keep on going back to vinyl and nobody questions that. I would describe myself as the vinyl of technological use. I, I love, I love it, sir. Uh, now, obviously, Wrestle Nation, we got the first card for NEW. The new card is coming up. Uh, if you'd be willing to just kind of go over the card with me and give your quick thoughts on some of these matches that were announced. You've got a new client, Sebastian Wolf. Uh, you'll be managing him as he takes on Evan Rivers, another up-and-comer. Uh, what's the deal with that matchup? What do you think you got going on there? Well, I've been watching Sebastian Wolf for quite some time now. And the thing that I was most struck by when I first saw him was his energy and drive. And to use a metaphor, when I first saw him, he kind of seemed like a nuclear explosion, if you will. His energy was encompassing and taking up absolutely everything in its path. Now, that's great. However, that can be tough to be pinpointed, you know? It could, it, you might uh, destroy everything, including yourself, if you're going to be using that just haphazardly. So what I'm hoping to do with Sebastian Wolf, and I think that we can do I I know that we can do it, is that I want to take that energy and I want to point it in a direction. And we're going to be pointing that energy at his opponent's for this in every match that follows. He's got a lot of potential, he's got a lot of skills that he's working with, and I intend to use those skills to make money and to make opportunities for the both of us. Uh, and we got the last match on the card, and this is one that intrigues me the most. We've got Jackie Lee, Fergie, Ravenous Randy, and a returning legend himself, a guy that I first saw managed by you back in the day. Alex Plexus, the sexiest abs in the business. Uh, are you excited to work with Alex Plexus again? What do you think of this matchup? Excitement doesn't treat the situation with the due respect that it deserves, quite frankly. Excitement is a base level. I would say excitement's at like a 2 out of 10 in regards to what I feel. My excitement level is at like a 10 or 11. Alex Plexus is one of the most versatile, in-shape, charismatic, athletic individuals that I have ever met in my life, let alone been able to work with in the ring. We have marketing ideas. We have business plans. We have methodologies of attack. And we have concepts and ways of executing these plans that we don't even have to put into words because we are so on the same level. That's who Alex Plexus is to me. And I cannot wait for him to step into that ring. Do you know, you might not know the answer, sir, to this one, but do you know if he's going to come back to that iconic song, Stompa? I cannot say. You can't say. Client privilege? can't say one way or the other. Uh, and if I could say, I would still want to keep it uh, on the down low. Fair, fair enough. Uh, a couple more questions just in general. Uh, you're obviously a manager who's managed a lot of people. Are we going to see any more people join your stable? Are you going to see any former clients join you up? What are your plans for the future? What is Christopher Cassidy planning to do in new? I'm just going to say that the door is always open for those that are open to my services. I would be foolish otherwise. Occasionally, I take on a number of clients and uh, the energy required to manage them takes over everything that I'm capable of. However, I'm always down for a conversation. And so I think that, uh, that the future provides a lot of opportunities for myself and the wrestlers. And yes, I mean, when it comes to that Nicole Matthews there, we'll, we'll see. But I digress. I digress. It's the final question here. 
for someone who's never seen wrestling or seen you or your clients in the ring, say they're coming out, they're getting excited about the new show, they want to be there September 11th, they want to see what's going down. Uh, what can they expect from you and everyone else involved in this kind of first uh, show we're putting on here? Okay, everybody else out there that have never experienced professional wrestling, especially with what we are about to endeavor out there, they've been eating dried bread with unsalted butter on it. That's what I'm going to say. When they step out there and they come and see our show, they're going to be getting a shot of Pop Rocks and a can of Coke, and they're going to be drinking that for the first time ever. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be cutting edge. This is going to be everything that you could want into entertainment. So these people owe it to themselves to better their lives and come out and see us. That's what I have to say about it. I, I trust you fully, sir. So again, Christopher Cassie, thank you for being on the show and doing this interview with me. I look forward to seeing you September 11th. Okay. Uh, wow. A lot, to, uh, a lot to take from that, Wyatt. I'm telling you, Cassidy's got the goods. And again, I let you boys know I am looking to hire him to be my manager. So I, I need proper representation. Uh, I don't have you guys take advantage of me any longer. Uh, I'm the star journalist of this show. So, you know, just a heads up to you guys. He doesn't really seem like a trustworthy guy. Like you want you want him on your side, Wyatt? He he does nothing but win. He he's represented championships across the globe. Why wouldn't I want to represent me? Are you are you trying to win this podcast? I didn't realize we were in competition. <laughs> yeah, this podcast <laughs> you're not doesn't have win. a champion, or or does <laughs> there it? There will be. It'll be me. You guys aren't even your eyes aren't even on the prize. That's the problem. Again, as a prize winning writer and journalist for the Athletic, I understand these prize things. Level. You guys don't. <laughs> Prize winning now. That's right. This is getting more and more elaborate. Okay, so Wyatt, what is the the help? Uh, what's the assistance you're going to get from a manager on the podcast? Uh, clearly, I'm going to get a bigger piece of the pie. I'm going to get more sponsorship. And if any of you step on a line, I, you know, he's not above hitting you with this briefcase. So physically, he'll intimidate wow. you. Mentally, he'll, he'll hire people to go to your house, knock on the door, bam, done. See, you guys, look, prize winning, author, journalist, Philanthropist. I'm just 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 go with it. Okay? Philanthropist. So yeah, now, I give money to people <laughs> once in a while. It, is he going to come and, and ensure that I don't pick three matches next time we do one of these breakdowns? Is that? <laughs> Let me tell you something, buddy. That's the first thing I told him about. I just texted him right now. I said, "You won't believe the shit that's going down in this <laughs> oh, podcast." God. But he's breaking the rules. Jesus. He was all over it. He was all over it. So oh, fair warning. Cut Paris's mic off for no reason at some point. He's hacked into the system. Hey, I've seen the movie Hackers. I know how it works. I know. I know about those freaks. I can get it done freaking all right well there's a lot that we just learned earlier on on the uh, on the on the show here L listen I, I i need my microphone guys you know this i need to be able to talk about the time i was trained by the honky he, he was gonna say hockey tonk man who who cut off the microphone <laughs> we you have, not paid, have working for you we have not paid for the rights for the h-man so we cannot use his name i've been told we can't keep dropping h-man like that without paying the proper rights so so we'll be calling him the shake, rattle, and roll kid for the foreseeable future until we acquire those rights. That works. Oh, is hold Cassidy on. not a lawyer? Text from Cassidy. I just got the rights. Honky Tonk Man is a great wrestler, better than Mike Paris. See how it works, oh, I boys? Think my, I think my mic's back on now. Okay, See? good. Yeah. You're good now. Wow, he's got I, power. Yeah, I will say this. He gets results. Yeah. So looking forward to seeing him in the corner of uh, Sebastian Wolf and Plexus on September 11th at the Gaming Stadium. Uh, but I think for right now, it has been maybe the most eventful three or four day stretch in pro wrestling in a long, long time. So let's go to the wide world of wrestling.
Okay, obviously the biggest news in pro wrestling had to be the return of CM Punk in Chicago at AEW Rampage on Friday night. A monumental moment in the history of professional wrestling. Potentially a seismic shift in the power struggle for an audience between AEW and WWE. Uh, we'll start, Wyatt. What were your initial thoughts from the massive, massive event that happened on Friday night? Yeah, that that's pure wrestling right there. That's what it's all about. Um, again, the guy in the audience crying. I didn't see anyone really making fun of him. People kind of got defending him ahead of the game, and no one needs to. Like that's just if you're crying, that's awesome. It means you connected to a moment, and that's what we should all strive for. So watching that event, it was so pure. It really was. It was just like a guy who hasn't been around for forever had had like left on the worst terms of WWE. Just like it felt like he was done with the business to come back to like such a pure moment like that and. You know, the way he commanded the crowd. Who gets a pop from just sitting down cross-legged in a ring, right? Like, the guy's, the guy's got it. So uh, I rewatched that so many times to hear the pop, hear the crowd just chanting the CM Punk. Like, I, I loved every moment of it. It took me forever. I joked on Twitter that it was a three-hour episode of Rampage because I kept re rewinding and rewatching. But that's not a joke. I watched that segment of his. It took me forever because I kept watch. I want to see the stage dive happen again i want to watch the music hit and that initial pop uh just him walking around i want to watch him on the ramp crying he's crying i'm emotionally compromised a lot of stuff is going on and then even what he would say in the ring like as far as his segments go man it was the best it could have possibly been i think i mean i think you know everything about it everything from the timing all of it was just amazing it's funny because everything played out exactly as everyone predicted it to. You you knew that the fans would be chanting the moment that they could. <clears throat> you knew that he would come out to open the show. You knew that music was going to hit. And it still had that emotional impact. And it still made me want to rewind. It made me want to show my wife. It made me want to talk to my dad about it. It made me want to... like. And, and for something so seemingly predictable, it really felt heartfelt it felt real it felt impactful and it hit all the right points uh, even though you might have seen it all coming it doesn't have to be a swerve to be effective and sometimes what people are expecting they're expecting for a reason because it is the most logical and satisfying moment or conclusion or anything we see wwe do that all the time where they will just change at the last moment or give you a swerve even though what people are expecting is probably for the best yeah a lot of the jokes are like wwe would subvert your expectations just for the sake of it and it wouldn't make sense and it wasn't organic and Again, like, I think Tony Brony told me once, and I agree that like you don't want to give the fans everything they want. Like you don't want to always make sense, like have the stories always go the way you want, because then it gets kind of boring. It's like the Matrix, you know, they gave the humans everything and they revolted. So obviously there's some give and take, but it went so far the other way with WWE, where they just wouldn't do anything. They would never go with anything organic, and that was the worst part. Things that happen in wrestling that are organic, that like people follow, that's the best part of wrestling, because that means you're part of the show. Fans make a difference. We saw, look, the one time we saw it was the Daniel Bryan, and that took years to happen, and then he still oh, took credit God, as yeah. like there was a plan all along, and it's like, oh, like. There's a difference between, like, you know, kind of doing storylines and then, like, telling fans, like, B-plus player. Like, it didn't feel fun. It felt more like mocking you. So we saw with CM Punk, that was, like, the pure side of business. And that's kind of, again, like, WWE in a way, them going so corporate, that's kind of what allowed, I think, indie wrestling to kind of rise to the top again because that was the spirit of wrestling. That's what's been missing from WWE. And it's, you know, you see what happens when there's no competition and everything kind of stagnates. So you had WWE doing things the way they do it. And you have a lot of fans who would just defend it. That's all they know. But long comes in with AEW and the indies trying to show you no wrestling at the end of the day 
It's about emotion. It's about connecting to your audience. And that's something WD has thrown away for the, the dollars. At the end. And again, AEW wants money. I think even Punk said like everyone wants the ratings, but there can be a balance. And WB is so far off that balance. That that's why I just don't enjoy their product right now. Yeah, let's talk about his comments around WWE because this very easily, and I didn't really expect it to happen. This very easily could have come into, he comes out, starts spilling sour grapes and takes some shots at WWE, but it didn't really become that. He did reference them and he referenced them in the negative, but only contextually to explain and have people try to understand what his mindset was and how he was feeling. And he did it in a way where he's also acknowledging the, you know, disappointment that people may have felt. And of course the infamous quote, there was no way I was going to get better mentally or emotionally or spiritually or physically being in the same place that made me sick in the first place, which is what a lot of people are taking out. But as far as criticizing WWE, that was kind of pretty much it. Yeah, he seems focused on, and I think this is part of the reason why people connected with it so much, and part of the reason why I feel like he's in, he's fully engaged, and he wants to do this now, because my concern coming into this re-debut was, is he really here to wrestle? Is he really here to be a full-time wrestler again? Is he really here to, to do it again? And he sold that, and he said, yeah, I'm here I haven't been, I forget what he said, I, my first day as a professional wrestler was in 2005, and then I I need to come back, I haven't been a wrestler for that long, whatever it was, uh, but now he seems there, and he seems like he really wants to be part of this new company, and the past is in the past, that seems to be the case for me. I don't know if him and Colt Cabana are going to scrap in the back <laughs> or not, but <laughs> yeah. otherwise the past seems to be in the past. When was the last time... One wrestler, and I know there's a lot more going on with this, but when's the last time one wrestler calling out another wrestler or one wrestler even saying another wrestler's name elicited such a major response? When he said he was here because he's you know wants to work with the young guys, he's got some scores to settle in the back, and then he just says, Darby Allen place went fucking ballistic and rightfully so and he immediately transitions his big moment into building this next big match and working with this first star he could have he's not here to work with the jericho's or kenny omega or what other or cody Rhodes or main stars only his first thing is going to be elevating a guy who's on the cusp and has been on the rise the last couple of years how great is that yeah, his his excitement seems to be stemming from I want to be in the locker room and I want to be in the ring with these guys. I, I don't want to be in the locker room with the guys I already know. I, I'm excited to see what the future holds and the future is in guys like Darby Allen. And, and the fact that he was able to even sell it as like, I have no beef with you. This isn't a, this isn't a feud. This isn't a I'm angry at you, Darby Allen. I don't like what you've been doing. So let's go fight. It's I respect what you're doing. You're a guy who likes danger. I'm a guy who likes danger. Let's go and do it. Let's go have a hell of a match. And I think that's what really sold it. It wasn't about storylines. It wasn't, they're not going to try and build anything for the next couple weeks, trying to gain anything to make them want to fight. It's about a match and it's about delivering a great product. And I think the fans are really being receptive to that. I do want to give a shout to, to WWE back in the day when they had Austin at the head of the WCW coalition 
And they actually did listen to the fans, and RVD was getting over, over, and more over. And then Austin said he'd fight the next guy to walk through the room, and it was RVD. And the place lost their shit. So that was one of those moments oh. I'll always remember where I was like, because you wanted me, and you didn't believe they'd give it to him. Like, oh, W won't give it to RVD. And he walks through the door, and everyone lost their fucking shit. Yeah, that's what I, I just want to talk about that memory. It was great. <laughs> you never have to convince me to talk about an RVD memory that made him look like a megastar. That guy's on my Mount Rushmore. I am a massive, massive Rob Van Dam fan. What do you make of CM Punk's comments around? leaving professional wrestling and talking about leaving Ring of Honor and now being back in professional wrestling. Uh, again, that's it's is what you said about in terms of, you know, he didn't take over-the-top shots at WWE, but he's still going to be authentic. And that's kind of what's always rung true with CM Punk, people relating to him because he tells you the truth. And why wouldn't he mention that? Like, that's the whole impetus of AEW, them kind of going back to the roots of wrestling. Cody Rhodes, the whole thing was about wrestling. And so CM Punk, to acknowledge that, is what keeps him authentic. And again, it wasn't over-the-top, but it was enough that people in the know could be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're saying. And that was great. It's a real nod to the to the art form aspect of it and to the creative aspect of it that AEW has already been recognized for for embracing uh and that wwe day after day gets knocked down for not embracing um he's he's really saying that that i used to be a creative guy and now i'm back in a company that allows me to deliver that kind of creativity yeah so the ratings have come in uh 1.129 million viewers on tnt for the second episode of rampage so in a three week uh three week run of rampage you're gonna see Christian Cage beat Kenny Omega for the Impact and TNA title in the main event of week one. Week two, you're going to see the CM Punk, you know, debut in AEW. Week three, we're going to see, I think the main event's going to be the finals of the Eliminator Tag Team Tournament to see who's going to wrestle the Young Bucks at All Out. And all signs seem to point to it being the Jurassic Express. How do you feel in these first, like, three weeks they're building Rampage as their next big show? Yeah, it's again like we talked about. I think last show how like they're getting momentum and it's a great way to start a show. And I honestly, the the one hour show last week is so tight. I love it. Like that's the thing with WWE. Like end of the day, there's so much of it. Same thing with UFC. UFC when they started first started coming up, they, it was great. But then all of a sudden there was like a like card every other week, every other month, and it got watered down. WWE. I don't want to be looking at their app, watching shows like five times a week. It was just way too much of it. And you don't have. I know they have a lot of talent, but like. It was just too much going on. It's the same thing with having too many belts. Like I don't want there to be that much going on. I think someone made a great point how yeah, at SummerSlam, you're having two title fights at the card. I want the old days where it was just, there was one belt, just one belt, and that was the guy. I want that back because your two shows don't mean shit to me. They don't. So that's what I love about the fact that AW is sticking to its core, and these shows, if they make them tight and like full of entertainment, why wouldn't you love that? A one-hour show seems like it flies by. Yeah. It, when it, especially when it's good. And I think that's what you want. Like, leave them wanting more. I don't want to, like, like scrape and claw my way through three hours of Raw. I don't... Even now, NXT seems like a bit of a, a, bit of a drawn-out situation. One hour is a nice, tight... You can get good wrestling in. You can get good storylines in. And they proved it. They even had Punk probably go on for longer than they even anticipated to, him to. And the rest of that show was still good. And it still felt like a nice, tight hour of television. I really enjoyed how they had the ticker on the bottom saying the results that happened on like Dynamite, what happened on Dark, what happened on Elevation. So if there is somebody who's getting some buzz or a wrestler you're interested in seeing, you know where to find them. I thought that was excellent. And you've seen their name. 
you go yeah. you, you they show up three weeks later on dynamite and you go oh yeah i've seen them winning on dark i haven't seen them winning on dark but i've seen their name pop up be like they've defeated this person they've defeated this person so obviously that build happens subconsciously and you're not introduced to these people totally blindly yeah. continuity without oversaturation yeah yeah and that's the thing i like right now aw they're treating it's, it sounds so cliche, but they're treating the business with the respect I want it to have, where it's like it's treating it real. Like you, you, obviously movies can be fake, wrestling fake, all this stuff, but like treat it like it's real. Make us believe, and the AW is more than willing to make you believe what's going on is happening. It's real. They're not hitting you over the head with the fact it's sports entertainment. Oh, we can't call them wrestlers. We can't call them be- all that shit. Takes me so far out of it. And the worst thing again for me, and I've told talked to Bowman about this before in the past. The worst thing for me is when Miz turned face, and I was told, oh, he's got a movie coming out, so he's got to be a face. Like. That shit is the worst. Like, at that point, it's not wrestling. It is sports entertainment, and I don't like that. Like, why are we doing that? I hate that. So, AW doing all this stuff with the tickers, the rankings, all that stuff. Give me more of that. I love it. Now, why you mentioned something, a word very specifically when talking about CM Punk and his promo, and that is authenticity. I think, Paris, you mentioned believability. What is it for this company? What does it mean that right around the corner, you have coming in, probably the only other wrestler in the last decade to really connect with the audience with their authenticity and their believability in their promos that Daniel Bryan slash Bryan Danielson is most likely right around the corner for AEW. What do you make of this potential, this one-two punch, which could turn into a one-two-three-four punch, as we'll get into a little bit later? Well, yeah, and I, to go back to kind of your earlier point when you were introducing me there, uh, it the believability stems from them not pushing anything too far over the top. I think even with a character like Orange Cassidy, they kind of pushed him to the point of believability and then kind of peeled him back a little bit because he was like, uh, eventually got to a point where they're like, oh, well, we want this guy to be good, but we can't buy him as a guy who keeps his hands in his pockets all the time and is good. So they kind of reeled that back in as well because you do want that believability that is also fun, but not sports entertainmenty, but it's pro wrestling uh, at its prime, and, and you're letting the wrestlers go creatively, which is great. And to to your point of bringing in Brian Danielson, like someone else who embraces that side of wrestling, the creative, in the ring, authentic, keep it real, no, not overly gimmicked. Have a character, but you know, make it yourself up to ten. Like my my favorite Daniel Bryan, honestly, is is the one that we saw at Royal Rumble that year, which was the, the earth-loving earth uh, heel Daniel Bryan. Like, I love oh, that yeah. because that was just that. That was him, the character that we knew as a person, Bryan Danielson, just cranked up to 11. And I think that's the kind of character that he really embraces. And I think that ultimately that's the kind of character that AEW seems to embrace. So I, I hope he shows up and I hope he's successful. Well, that's the thing we always talk about in <clears throat> WWE is not about making superstars anymore. It's about WWE and like, whereas AW will let characters get over, they'll let characters get big and, and do that. And for Daniel Bryan in particular and CM Punk, you both know these guys love the business. They're going to come in. They're going to put over the young guys. Daniel Bryan was doing that before he left. That, that That's what they, they want to pay back to the business. But also the fact that they could build out to one more ultimate feud between Punk and Bryan makes me so excited. Right, oh, right. Like that oh. down the line, you build towards that and letting those two build towards a feud where they don't have anything like holding them back where they say go for it you two figure this out holy shit that's good stuff 
Yeah, and they, AEW has also proven to be really good at a pivot. Like Dark Order, they tried to get them across very, very seriously as this macabre thing, and then they kind of pivoted to make it like a little bit silly and goofy, and then you brought Brody Lee in, which that saved Dark Order and all of those guys' careers as far as those roles were concerned. Yeah, it, it is that like they they know when to bring the reins in. Uh, and when to kind of pull back on things a little bit. And I don't know if you're teasing a conversation about Bray Wyatt or not. But, I am. <laughs> okay. But it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Because this is a guy who, throughout the entire extent of his, his successful career, has been to the extremes of the believability. So can they get that character over, like with the kind of supernatural aspects? Or are they also going to kind of pull the reins in on that a bit? It'd be interesting to see. Wyatt, can you bray a little bit on your thoughts on Wyndham Rotunda and uh, what you liked him in in WWE and whether or not you'd want to see him pop up in AEW and in what kind of role? Uh, I mean, I love his name for one. That's what I really connect to right away. <laughs> I just think it's a fantastic name, strength, power behind it. Uh, that's good. Like Bray Wyatt, obviously, like when you, you see his time in WWE, you're kind of like, is this the New Age Undertaker? Like this guy's got that kind of weird mysticism behind it, but it's almost a Cape Fear version. It's a bit more complex than Undertaker. And there was a point of diminishing returns for me in terms of Bray Wyatt and that he would just do a bunch of punch of promos saying he's the Eater of Worlds, but he wouldn't actually do anything. And I, that's probably more of the limits they put on him. Like, okay, you're Eater of Worlds, but you're losing on dark matches. I don't know what's going on here. Um, but You're only think, eating worlds and catering, brother. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> that's what he's doing. Uh, so I am intrigued to see if, like, again, AW. Not that they're infallible. I mean, they will make mistakes. That is like where their heads at right now. But you know, there is only so many so many roles. Like every time we talk about bringing a guy in, they can't just be this main event guy. I get that. But I do kind of want to see if they bring Bray Wyatt, and that's a guy I would bring in for sure, just to kind of see what he could do, because that's a guy that can fill your mid card easily. You can put him in the main event if you want. And I think he's got. Um, to Mike's point, they're going to have to figure out how to make him work, because like if you give him full reign. I do think maybe it'll go full Cape Fear and maybe it'll be too much talking. I do want to see it kind of a bit more focused, but I also want to see it get the results where they give it a bit more respect rather than like, hey, there's like maggots in the ring on it from a fucking video of Tron. Like, I don't want that level of Bray Wyatt at this point. But the the Cape, I loved when he initially came out with the Wyatt family and was the, the Cape Fear character whose name is escaping me currently. Um, I loved that. That was great because that was a real character. And then they started layering on more and more kind of supernatural stuff. So maybe the Cape Fear Bray Wyatt is the kind of kind of AEW gimmick that we can go with. Yeah, there's a bit of a logjam here as far as debuts and stuff go. Because I know Wyatt's 90-day no-compete will be over relatively soon uh, in the next little while. Braun Strowman. Uh, we're not talking about Braun Strowman at all possibly showing up at AEW. Uh, or Buddy Murphy as well. These are potential guys who pop up as well, but it's mostly, okay, we're talking Punk, we're talking Danielson, we're talking uh, potentially Adam Cole. Uh, you know, there's a bit of a logjam as far as new debuts and stuff go. It would almost behoove them to hold on to some of these guys, maybe have them on the payroll and not just, you know, debut them until, you know, November, December, have these special moments stretched out because it's all coming to a head with a lot of guys all at the same time. Yeah, it almost seems like, yeah, you don't want to blow your load all at once, come in all, all these, like, get all the ratings. I understand that level. Maybe they want to, but, and yeah, maybe you tell a guy who comes on board, hey, man, we're going to sit you out three months. Maybe that sucks for him to hear, but you're right. Like, they have the power now to kind of delay that, make surprises, and have fun with it. Uh, unless it's Adam Cole, you bring him out right away. I don't care. Adam Cole, the minute he's signed, you have him on TV and you bring him out. I don't care the second it's signed because I want him in there. I want him in there. Well, Adam, Adam Cole's the only guy, like, I think that would make a real big, like, shocker statement right now if he showed up like Braun Strowman I'm not even sure he really fits with AEW it's hard to say like they kind of have their their more stocky big man kind of 
guys going. Lance uh, Archer. Well, yeah, he, him and Lance Archer could sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I do think is that that they don't really have to. They have a bunch of guys who are probably reaching the end of needing to take some time off. I think about like a Jericho, maybe even mm-hmm. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. Like, there's a series of of guys who have really busted their asses to get this to get AEW where it is now, who probably wouldn't mind taking six months off, um, and then they could come back and make a big impact again. So I think there is an opportunity for them to kind of gap out the roster a little bit and make space for these people. Yeah, I've been harping on for years about what it would do to the industry, especially like, you know, pro wrestling at that level for there to be an off season or a rotating roster or to cycle some of these guys out. Cause you see what WWE is doing, just grinding them, you know, having them do 300 plus days a year and everything. And what that did to like even CM Punk back in the day, um, we're going to talk about pivot to talk about SummerSlam because they needed to respond to the big AEW show on Friday. And it was basically a weekend full of big returns and whether WWE had that stuff planned or they needed to really kind of pivot and get Brock Lesnar on the phone after what happened Friday night. But that was a big buzz was about all these returns, these people who have come back and there is a way to sustainably keep doing that. And that's by cycling or rotating rosters. Like why, what do you think about a potential off-season or a rotating roster uh, for some of these larger companies? I mean, that's also a really good question I want to ask some of the workers because obviously they're the ones who, you know, even on the indie level are always busting their ass what they think of that. Because, like, obviously for me, it's easy to say I think that's a great idea, but maybe they just they want to work. I don't know. You, you always hear about not wanting to lose your spot. So it almost seems like it's a bigger issue of, like, yeah, you've got to make sure they're guaranteed not to lose their spot. They've got to have assurances. But even if they tell you, hey, man, six months you come back big. If you're sitting out, are you going to start freaking out when the young guy starts getting momentum? And not that you want anyone to not do well, but you're starting to worry a bit like, oh, oh, that guy's taking off. Like, I don't know how much they're going to be into it. But I do think like even for their own good, having time off is good because like you're grinding them into the dust. And we've seen Dark Side of the Ring is all the stories of like things that happen to these guys, mm. what they put their bodies through. And you see it in pro sports. Like it, it is nice if, again, it's probably a big ask to have, you know, wrestling of all things to be like looking out for their workers more than other sports but like i would think you know overall even for storytelling reasons as you're saying that would be great to kind of have that rotation in there of like people coming in and out all right so we know that rampage was a big deal on friday wwe needed to respond in a big way with SummerSlam on saturday at allegiant stadium in las vegas over fifty thousand people there uh paris initial thoughts of big moments coming out from SummerSlam. how did wwe do responding to the pressure put on them by cm punk's return short answer terribly uh <laughs> slightly longer <Elaborate>. answer <laughs> um i Okay, this is the typical like uh, that uh, Treehouse of Horror episode where the the doll is cursed, but it comes with a free frozen yogurt. It's like, is the yogurt also cursed? <laughs> the yogurt is also cursed. It's got potassium Shit, nitrate bad. in it. <laughs> <laughs> because Becky Lynch came back. That's great. <laughs> Becky Lynch squashes Bianca Belair in a title match <laughs> in 32 seconds. That's bad, and I don't think that's good for anybody, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's an interview with Nikki Bella, like, on the, like, red carpet or something about SummerSlam, just totally throwing WWE booking under the bus, saying, like, I can't believe they would do that, she's a rising star, and you bring this person back and you squash her like she's nothing, so, uh, that, once again, like I said, Becky Lynch, good, glad to see her, glad she's here, can't believe she would even let herself be booked that way 
Like, there was no reason why they couldn't have just had a decent match and had her drop the title. There's no reason why Bianca Belair had to drop the title. They're, like, I don't know where Sasha is. Did she just, like, she refuses there's, to get vaccinated or something? There's thoughts and rumors and stuff about that. And how dare they make me agree so vehemently with Nikki Bella? How <laughs> dare you have her make such a good point? I'm just, I'm kidding. She got really, really, really good in the ring in the tail end of her career. I know why you and I talked about all the time that Nikki Bella actually, you know, kicks a lot of ass and more power to her. Um, but uh, yeah, great to see Becky Lynch back. Everyone was super excited about it. Apparently they're going to be, they're going to be positioning her as a heel. Uh, through this, and that's what this is all meant to kind of spark. Whether that's legitimate or not, who could say? Because the reaction across the board has been pretty much overwhelmingly negative for what she did uh, with Bianca Belair on Saturday. Trying to push her as a heel is what gave us the amazing face that is Becky Lynch today, or or however long it's been. Uh, so I don't even know if you can do that. That might be... That might be a challenge to even try to push her as a heel. But like you said, the reception to her beating Bianca Belair has not been good. Day one for the last who knows how many years, the WWE style, when anything goes bad, we've joked about in the show, call them the legends, bring people back. But to what end? Unlike AEW, I don't know if they're there for a reason. I'm not sure. I don't know what they're doing there. Uh, <laughs> she's not there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, she's not there for the right reasons. Uh, so I just wonder what they're doing, because that's what it seems like. You have, um, you know... Becky Lynch get that win, that sparks talk. I'm sure it's trending and people are talking about it, but it, you know, it's one of those any tension's good attention them. They're going for that Xbox heat. And I'm like, is that the best, you know, train of thought here? And sure, maybe you give other companies a bit more leeway, but that's it's been the WWE way for years to just like subvert your expectations, do things out of nowhere and try and make it work down the line. And you you don't get it. We're we're planning something. You know, it takes two years to get there. It's like okay, I guess. But you walk away from this weekend, and like obviously for me, AW will be the biggest in my mind. I will say, despite all of that, no matter what happens, um, I will always cheer Brock Lesnar. I don't care what it is. Uh, he, they could book him the worst possible, and he could return. It could be him at a child's party at five and kids. I'm going to cheer. It could be at a funeral at five in the casket. I'm going to cheer him on. I'm the biggest Lesnar mark. I know I'm not going to say it's the right move, but even him coming back, uh, I loved it. It is stupid, but I loved it. <laughs> You can't see this, people listening at home, but at the mere mention of Brock Lesnar's name, Mike Paris sunk back in his chair and shook his head a little bit. <laughs> Paris, counterpoint to why it's love can't. for Lesnar. Lesnar. So here's the deal. I Because Lesnar comes on and I go, good God, they're going back to this well again. Thank God, and exactly. Is, is a <laughs> another reason why I think they failed the weekend because... Like and not the singer guy. He's he's doing fine. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the reason why they failed this particular weekend, um, it, because it just feels like they're really just going back to that well again. And I don't feel like Brock Lesnar ever offers anything new to the table. Uh, to. I don't know. He's got Doesn't a weird ass ponytail going on right That's now. New. I yep. guess why you can respect weird hair choices. But yep. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Five like, people. There, what do you want? There's nothing new there. And but every time I go. I really don't give a shit about Brock Lesnar or anything he has to offer. And I don't know anyone else who... Oh, wait. Wyatt's happy about this. Did you see him beat up John Cena for an hour? Oh, I loved it. The dark match after the show off the air, he started giving Cena F5s. Oh, my God. Lesnar's a beast, boys. I love him. I love him. I don't care. (laughs) As much as it pains me to agree with this man, I'm on Wyatt's side here. I get fired up for Brock Lesnar, and I I don't know why. I haven't been I, fired up for Brock Lesnar in 15 years. The, the, you know what? You're not his market. Get out of here. Go, go watch the I indies, the, bro. It, go watch the indies. It, it, I will. 
Enjoy your tope suicidas. <laughs> yeah. I love a good leg I think slap. It's, it's, it's the authenticity of Lesnar. That's always been his his mystique and stuff. And I went back, I watched some of the matches that he did uh, with Goldberg. Specifically the one in... Why are you uh, at torturing Sur- yourself? At, at, at Survivor Series um, against Goldberg, where he got squashed by Goldberg in the big return match. Lesnar was excellent in that entire sequence. And that's a short, short match, obviously, but I thought that was some of Lesnar's best work in that match with uh, with Goldberg. Yeah, when Lesnar wants to go, he's one of the best in the biz. We, we, obviously, the Ambrose was not great, but you look at the Daniel Bryan match, like that was one of my favorite matches of, in the last five years. It's like the fact you, like, it, Bryan's a heel, and then he almost gets the match. You kind of want to see him do it. But the thing for me that, you know, to, to Mike saying that Lesnar brings nothing new, he's wrong. Uh, he has many <laughs> F5s and many suplexes. He has a whole city named after his suplexes. Uh, you've got Paul he Heyman a different involved. shade of purple. Yeah, he goes to different cities and makes new suplexes. He's an imperialist at heart. I love it. So you've got Paul Heyman involved with Roman Reigns. The one thing I've always loved about Heyman and Lesnar is like their relationship has superseded everything. At the end of the day, Heyman's always a Lesnar guy. I need him to go end up, end up back with Lesnar. I, I need that. I don't. I don't want. I want Lesnar's my knee, Paul, and Paul goes to him. I don't care what it is. I need him to help out Lesnar. I don't want him with Heyman. I don't care how you book Lesnar, but I need them to get together because that for me is like WWE never does long term bookkeeping. They always do things to for expectations. But the one thing that's always kind of been true is like Lesnar and Heyman keep it going. I want it to keep happening. And that's the complexity of this feud that has me really, really excited. Is Heyman caught in the middle? Right, he's been with Reigns for almost a year now, and but he's been with Lesnar since 2002, and there's a deep history there, and we know there's a personal history there outside of wrestling, but we also know that was true when uh, you know he was initially having the feud with Lesnar and Reigns when Reigns was a face. He kept putting over Reigns in those promos and talking about how much he liked him, how much he thought he was the future of the business and stuff. It wasn't ever degrading to Reigns. So the seeds even back then have been planted for this eventual feud, which I think is fantastic. And, and again, the ultimate end goal here, obviously is another Heyman guy and Curtis Axel coming back and seeing how we can end this all. Who's got their <laughs> yes! heart of Paul Heyman? <laughs> no, That's Curtis Cesaro? McGillicuddy. McGillicuddy, Combine sorry. His names. Yeah. Curtis McGillicuddy. Let's do that. And Cesaro now, for one night. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Now, Lesnar, obviously... Now, if Lesnar's the guy to dethrone Roman Reigns, I am jumping firmly into Mike Paris's camp. Incorrect. Uh, because Lesnar doesn't need to be involved Incorrect. in title chases or anything like yes, that. He, he just needs to show up and kick someone's ass every once in a while, and I'm super into it. But if he ends up being the one to take that mega star making moment in dethroning Roman Reigns and it happens with Lesnar, I'm going to be so choked. Recently it came out this week, I don't know if anybody saw the Mustafa Ali video where he said that basically he was booked to win Money in the Bank 2019 and then right before he was set to make his entrance, they pulled him aside and said, "Oh, actually Brock's going to come out yep. and whip everybody's ass and win the briefcase," which he was just kind of like disappointed, but oh, okay. Um, so Lesnar doesn't need to be involved in anything but Lesnar stuff. And the fact that the title is at stake here, that's the one thing about this that kind of makes me a bit uneasy because that's Big E's title as Look, far as I'm concerned. Lesnar stuff is title stuff. So I'm sorry, but your own logic that he should be involved. That's what he does. Suplexes and win titles. I just don't, what don't you guys get about this? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. It's just such a nothing. Like there's no story there for me. I'm sorry. Suplexes. And if he wants to, God damn it. Harris, what if, what about if he in mid match? What about even. if he goes okay and oh, he well. takes his gloves off? Remember when he takes his gloves that off? Shit's getting real. That's shit's getting real. That's when shit gets real. Yeah. How about that, Paris? No, I hate it. 
I'm not a UFC guy for starters. He's got UFC like, shorts, Jimmy Johns. He's, he's yes. fantastic. Hey, you went to Jimmy Johns and you were terribly disappointed because Lesnar wasn't so. there. <laughs> we all went to Jimmy Johns and we were all terribly disappointed. That's true. We thought he'd be there making the sandwiches yeah, that's and f fliving them onto our plates. Um, all right, so obviously that was the big takeaway from SummerSlam was Lesnar returning, challenging Roman Reigns. Were there any other matches up and down the card? Uh, that you enjoyed, moments that you marked out for, anything like that at all? I actually really liked that match. I liked the John Cena-Roman Reigns match. I thought it was. I thought John Cena, he can still go. And it, he delivered a great performance, a great match, and he was really putting, putting Roman over. I liked the match start to finish, and I thought that uh, that both of those performers put in a great effort. And then, and then Brock Lesnar. And happiness is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. glory, but glory came. Yeah, and that's the thing, like the... The angle with that match I thought was really, really good. That Cena coming across and saying, all I need to do is pin you. I just need you for a one, two, three. And they were doing, building up to it, him like rolling up Roman and getting visual pins on SmackDown. So basically for that match, you could have Roman Reigns just batter the shit out of him all the way up and down the ring. And then all Cena needs to do is just get a quick schoolboy or something. And ooh, like the mystique of the match there. You don't have to have Cena be super Cena and rally and hit him with the five moves of doom and stuff. All you need is a quick roll up or whatever from Cena, um, you know, amidst getting his ass kicked, and you've got yourself a really, really, you know, interesting match to watch. And then, anyways, back to Lesnar when he came into the ring. God and had damn it! New, what he's the best. <laughs> back to I the hockey say. talk, man. <laughs> yeah, hockey talk. Yeah, you, you know, how badly Lesnar would f five that guy. Uh, no, look, uh, the match itself. I do like the idea that it would just take one, two, three. But for me. Like, Cena's not that guy to do that. He, his thing was super Cena. Like, I don't think, like, him doing the school, it's more of a Bret Hart thing to me. Like, a technician would pull it off. Like, Cena, like, sure, you did your rope stunner. It's cool. But, like, he's not the guy that, for me, would be like, it didn't, I, I appreciate what they did. But for me, it just didn't land as much as it would for someone who's, like, a technical artist to do that. But you not, do you not feel it kind of plays into the fact that he's been gone? For so long. He hasn't been seen since WrestleMania 2020. And the mm -hmm. fact he's doing his Hollywood thing, he's coming back not the same person muscle mass wise, not the same wrestler. He's rusty. He's out of the game where all he needs to do is just draw on his experience and ring savvy and try and get that quick pin because he knows he can't be dominant because he hasn't been around for so long. Okay, well, he's not Lesnar. He can't just come back like that. But here's the thing. <laughs> he is John Cena. He was super silly. He is rusty now. He doesn't have like that technical stuff in that they've shown to me. I'm not saying he's a bad wrestler. I'm just saying like in the terms of presenting him as a character, he doesn't have that technical savvy to pull it off. Anyone then could come in and get reigns for one, two, three. So that almost undersells Roman that anyone can get that win. That's fine. But like, I just, I'm just saying, I just, it just didn't land with me as it did. Uh, what did land though was Lesnar. <laughs> you are, you are selling John Cena down the river as a technical wrestler. And in the same, same breath talking about how great Brock Lesnar is. Yeah, Brock Lesnar. Have you seen the suplexes? If the Kimura oh, and like Christ. if you see the strike suplex one more fucking time. I, have you seen Brock, Brock Lesnar sit up and stare into the eyes of a dead man? I have, I have. He laughed. At I've it. seen him cave in Randy Orton's head with his bare elbow yeah. at SummerSlam. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, scale of one to ten. We'll start with you, Wyatt. How surprised are you that Goldberg uh, stunk up the joint? Oh no! Uh, on a scale of one to ten suplexes, that's a one for me um, in terms of the match. And yeah, Goldberg. Again, we all talked about on the show last week. What's he going to bring to the table? And it's not much. That's purely WWE bringing a big name, hoping people tune in. That's all it was. And that's even worse because at least as much as you might not like Lesnar and you might not like how they use him, he can still go. He can. You can get something out of him. Whereas Goldberg, what are we doing at this point, right? The most terrifying aspect of that entire match is that they're teasing a second one. 
So I want nothing. I wanted nothing to do with it the first time. I want nothing to do with it again. This is probably the third or fourth Goldberg return match in a row. I guess maybe not counting Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam, where I'm concerned for his safety and the safety of his opponent opponents. He almost killed the Undertaker at. Uh, I don't know if it was down under or Saudi blood money or whatever it was, but he almost killed the undertaker, you know, a couple of years ago. And now here he is going around with Lashley, you know, botching and looking out of breath and winded. And it just makes me feel uneasy for him and his opponent. Yeah. The, the guy is going to hurt himself or someone. And genuinely, I mean, I mean, no ill will towards him, uh, but I hope he hurts gauge. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I will say though, to Boba's point about Sita, uh, all it takes for Goldberg is one, two, three. Jesus. <laughs> he can fall back in his veteran savvy. In a suplex in which he drops <laughs> someone on their neck. <laughs> Uh, and then the other big match, a lot of people uh, giving praise to it from SummerSlam, Seth Rollins and Edge. Anything, any takeaways from that match? Did you enjoy it at all? Uh, I did enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to. I was pretty pumped for it. Um, brood entrance. Come on, guys. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I thought the match was good, not great. Yeah, I mean, there was no Lesnar at the end of that match, so it's only going to take you so sake. far. What Have you seen the suplexes? Okay, we need to we need to desperately move on to NXT on Sunday night. And was they, I, on NXT? I know I know what's going to be brought up. You know what would have been good if Samoa Joe was confronted by Lesnar at the end. You're getting it now. We're yeah, okay, right? Yeah, we're getting there. Um, anything major jump out at you guys from NXT? I was probably going into this weekend most looking forward to Dragonov versus Walter 2. I have watched their first match, which was just the main event of an NXT UK show, random episode, you know, a year ago. Um, and holy crap, I've seen that match tons of times. I was super, super hyped for the rematch, and I feel it delivered. But I also kind of feel this may be a death knell for NXT UK now that this Walter unbeatable 800 or whatever, you know, this reign is over. Very interesting to see what they'll do with NXT UK, because I guess they have a new champion now, but certainly Walter was the face of that brand and a reason why a lot of people watched. I don't know if this means Walter is moving to Florida full-time, maybe onto the NXT roster full-time. I'm not quite sure. They they did, theoretically, they've now lost Karrion Cross um, from their roster uh, to Raw. Uh, he showed up tonight on Raw in some weird bondage uh, outfit, so... I guess that means he's fully on the roster. Scarlet's not there. That's the most exciting part to me. But anyway, um, so maybe they need a bit another big guy. Uh, a buddy's chest was just caved in though at the end of that match. <laughs> yeah, that happened the first time too, and I was like, they're going to go even harder. I am worried one. about his ribs. I feel like this one was more of a wrestling match, but less of a brutal brawl than there was uh, than their match was back in October of last year. Have every you guys ever seen that first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume yeah. I have. I don't recall. Oh, it, it was <laughs> it was it was intense. But yeah, but here's the thing: you say, "Oh, Walter, maybe he moves to Florida and starts with NXT uh, proper in North America." But what is NXT in North America even going to be? Because he probably doesn't fit the mold of what they're really looking for there. Uh, he's a good opponent for Samoa Joe, but still, nobody really knows what the future of NXT is because a lot of the vibe coming out of that takeover on Sunday was this is the end of an era. Uh, Adam Cole has finished up with NXT. That's the only consensus coming out of that. Um, any thoughts on the Cole 
match with Kyle O'Reilly, Karrion uh, Cross, and Samoa Joe. Uh, um, anything else from NXT? And the main thing, yeah, for me is just Adam Cole's future. That's such a huge thing. And there's all the rumors backstage and then wanting to keep him, obviously. And that would be a huge get for AEW. So I think just we obviously can't know what he's thinking. We've already talked about it. But like for him, how can you not want to go to AEW at this point? It seems like that would be such, unless WWE like backs the truck up to your house with all the money. Why wouldn't you want to go for just the, be part of something that looks to be pretty big? So I'm intrigued to see what happens there. This reminds me a lot of Chris Jericho 99 mm. jumping to uh, the competitor and that maybe being something that really starts them on the upswing. One thing Adam Cole has said is that uh, he will not get rid of his Twitch account. Uh, if he go, He's okay <laughs> to have it like NXT, but if he goes to the main roster, they will very obviously force him to give up his Twitch account. Now you have to ask yourself, well, maybe Vince will make some concessions or whatever, but... Randy Orton didn't get any concessions for his Twitch account. AJ Styles had to shut his Twitch account down too. You mean to tell me that they're going to, you know, acquiesce to Adam Cole wanting to keep his when those two guys couldn't keep theirs? That's probably something that, you know, interesting to see what happens with that because Cole loves his Twitch account and has said he's going to refuse to give it up for any reason. Yeah, and I feel like at this point, they feel like they're doing him a favor, almost, as scary as that might sound. I feel like Vince and whomever thinks, oh, we're calling him up to the main roster, we're doing him a favor, and I honestly don't think they have much of a plan for him, it doesn't seem that way. Like, what do you do with Adam Cole on the main roster? I don't know, Seth Rollins seems like a good fit, like, I don't, but even then, where do you go from there? And are you putting him into, into any sort of title picture? I don't think so. Will he get over with the crowd in the way that we would expect him to? Not Maybe not with this crowd. So I think that maybe he is a better fit with AEW, but I honestly don't think that's the future. I think he is. He's on the main roster at some point in the next couple weeks. How fucked up is it that he's created this thing which you know connects him with his fans and gets him over in that sense, and he's passionate about doing, and they're going to be like, yeah, no, stop it. You, you can't do that at all. Also, taking out of account... You know, the fact that he's got friends in AEW, his fiance is in AEW, even taking that out of the mix. How can you be a guy, Adam Cole's size, the only time I'll bring that up, Adam Cole's size, and you watch what AEW has done in the last week and you watch what WWE has done in the last week. Also, historically, what WWE has done with NXT call-ups and guys your size and feel like that's the right move for you unless it's purely for financial reasons. Yeah, I think money would be the only thing that would make him stay, but it's not like AEW is poor. Uh, so I think the only thing, the reason you might stay in WWE uh, is if you want to beat the best in Brock Lesnar, clearly. God damn it. <laughs> and there it is. We were all waiting for it. You started talking and we just started waiting. I, I, will, note, to it. <laughs> I will note that in, uh, in you know, we're, we're giving uh, AEW credit for dropping the breadcrumbs. And is a breadcrumb that Adam Cole dropped? The fact that he used Britt Baker's finisher in his match against Kyle O'Reilly? I'm, I'm not sure. We'll uh, we'll see. She was pretty active on social media during his match with Kyle O'Reilly. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, anything else from the wide world of wrestling before we move on? We covered Lesnar. We're good. All God right. damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to this week in wrestling history. What we're going to do right here is go back. Way back, back into time. One, two, three, four, hit it! 
All right, relatively quick this week in wrestling history. Uh, we're going to technically not another SummerSlam, but another Monday Night Raw. August 23rd, 1999, Triple H wins his first WWE championship. Now, the previous night, it was supposed to be Austin versus Triple H, and Triple H was going to ascend. He was going to win his first title on a big stage, second biggest show of the year, and then uh, Austin apparently didn't want a job for him, so they brought in Mankind. Mankind won the title and then lost it to Triple H the next night on Raw. Uh, interesting to see a guy who had his reign of terror where he dominated over the roster for so long uh, kind of get screwed over when it comes to his first championship win by a guy who was the top guy at the time in Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I think it's a, a notable night. I feel like it's the last time Triple H didn't get something to go his way. Uh, he kind of at that point then took off and became the Triple H we all know. So, yeah, it's just, you know, wrestling business right there. People not want to do the jobs. That was, I think, probably more prevalent back in the old days. But, yeah, definitely one of those. Because we had a couple options for what this day in wrestling history, and that's definitely one of the more niche ones, I think. But it's interesting because of all the, the back uh, room politics of this one. Yeah, my uh, one of my least favorite, I don't know, facts about uh, Triple H is uh, how he kind of screwed over Booker T when Booker T was in his prime oh. of, of, of WWE uh, being put over in this. Uh, and uh, like this, just, like you said, Bowman, this kind of feeds into those kind of future things. This is Triple H got screwed over. He he saw you know the Bret Hart situation go down you know a couple of years prior to this, or yeah, I guess a couple of years, um, yep. and then and then sees himself in an opportunity where he could have in one of the most viewed pay per views of the year gone over and won his title, but they were like, no, we're putting it tomorrow night, and. Uh, Part of me misses the days of the Attitude Era where we would have championships, championship holders for a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they would change hands on Raw the next night yeah, and everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, obviously not a Triple H apologist or anything, but yeah, interesting to see, you know, how much that went for years. Where, yeah, to your point, Booker T, who should have won at WrestleMania 19. Nope. Um, Randy Orton beating uh, Chris Benoit at SummerSlam and then a few months later dropping it to Triple H and then that basically cooling Randy Orton right the hell off. Batista was undeniable. There was no way Triple H could stop the rise of Batista. But again, throughout the years, you know, Triple H basically being that guy to say to somebody, yeah, no, not going to happen. And the fact that it kind of all started uh, at SummerSlam 1999 with Triple H on the receiving end of that. Cool. All right. A um, little quizzle mania tail end of the show here Quizzle what do you mania. think mike paris you got some quizzes i do i do i'm just looking for something to keep score with okay. you don't need to keep scores keep it in your head and just on the fly <laughs> it's fine yeah that's what that's why it does that's why they're all such close matches no score more of a gut feeling of who's really winning is what you want to go with <laughs> a gut feeling you say <laughs> yeah yeah paris you good great all right hit it all right, boys. So I have a, a uh, bunch of different lists of wrestlers, and these wrestlers all have something in common with one another. Uh, you got a name for me what they have in common. Uh, you can guess at whatever point you want, mm -hmm. but you cannot guess again until after mm -hmm. the other person has also incorrectly guessed. So if okay. you incorrectly guess after I say one name, you cannot guess again until your opponent has also guessed incorrectly. Okay. Right. Bon bonus points if you can name the remaining wrestlers I have in that list. Oh my if God. you ga okay. guess early. Uh, by the way, this might not be an all-inclusive list, so you might name someone that might correctly meet the criterion, 
but I didn't write down, if that makes sense. Yep. God, this became very complicated. <laughs> That's what happens when I write quizzes. Are okay. you ready? Do you understand I the am. rules? Yep. Uh, we will start with Wyatt. Uh, you get ad- ad- advantageousness in the f- uh, to be the first <laughs> guesser, uh, since you are usually the quiz master. <laughs> okay, okay. So this. I'll just, I'll, I'll say one name, I'll pause for a little bit, I'll say another name, so on and so forth. Okay. All right, first one. MJF. Vegans. Okay, no. Um, okay, keep going. Sammy Guevara. Oh, actually, sorry. No, you guys could guess whatever. Why, Bowman, you could guess if you wanted to. Scarves. That is incorrect. I was thinking that, but that's all I so have. So now, 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 you, now you cannot guess again until okay. Wyatt has guessed incorrectly. Okay, I'm going to wait for every single name then. Okay, let's go. I'm going to gain the system. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, damn it. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Oh my god. I have to know. Your, your boy Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Kurt Angle. John Cena. Shinsuke Nakamura. What is happening? I thought this was an easy one. I guess not. <laughs> Probably is. I just <laughs> Randy Orton. Shave the You're not allowed to guess. You're not allowed to guess. <laughs> and that's incorrect anyway. <laughs> You're down two. <laughs> Matt Hardy. Oh my god. Jeff Hardy. How long does this go before it gets really embarrassing? I'm 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 done <laughs> I now. Tap out. I'm <laughs> I'm done on this list. Oh. Uh, no guesses? They, they all have a variety of suplexes. <laughs> False. It's not incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> They're all men who are wrestlers. <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, they are all wrestlers who wrestle under their birth name. Oh, oh, that's not as easy as I thought. No, I take it back. That's a hard one, and you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I thought for sure it would be something easy. Like, oh, I've read well, no. <laughs> they get harder now, so now I'm worried. They've all been born in Connecticut. They get harder oh. now. Oh, good. Oh, this will be good. Okay. This is good for the show in our rate. All right. This is a short list. Okay. That's a hint in itself. Short wrestlers. Okay. Hornswoggle. CM Punk. Edge. They dated Lita. Incorrect. Oh. Last one on the list. Wyatt. Carmella. So the three names one more time. So people at home can also hear and guess and yell at me for not getting it. CM Punk, Edge, and Carmella. Carmella is a bit of an asterisk answer to this question. You're a, you're a monster. My quiz is at least sort of straightforward. Uh, can I go? He can answer for me. Yeah, go ahead. This, this is uh, where I win, though. Ca- they've cashed in money in the bank. Um, I'll need you to oh, be more multi- specific. Multi-time money in the bank winners. Uh, that holders. is correct. Yes. He yeah, answered yeah. on my behalf. Thank you. That's my <laughs> oh, shit. Me the points. <laughs> you did. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm right. I lose. <laughs> okay, next one. Chris Jericho. Shawn Michaels. John Cena, Tyler Breeze. Oh, they um, sing their own theme song. Mm, that is correct. Well done, well done. Yeah, yep. Yeah. X-Puck, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Bret Hart, Booker T. It's not, it can't be the easy one, it can't be. Keep going. Okay. He's not like they're in IWO. It can't be that. It'd be, it'd be silly. 
Shawn Michaels. They are all NWO, though. NWO members. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Oh, my God. They're all NWO members. But that can't be it. That's so easy. That doesn't make sense. You said they get harder. So this seems to make no sense to me. <laughs> Maybe that is not what I had. That is not what I had as the answer. But it should be. So that is the answer. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Up 2-1. <laughs> Can you think of a second answer for a second point? It won't be as good. But uh, <laughs> what have they all done? What do they all have in common aside from all being part of the NWO? Have they all been in adult videos? I do not know. They all had too much sushi, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them have been in like in sexual situations. Oh shit! Okay. Um... And it kind of relates to them being in the NWO. The answer for some of them. They've been like what champions of both companies? Like what, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They're both. They're all multiple time WWE Hall of Fame inductees. Oh, ah! gotcha. Uh, on a similar no, no, I won't go to that one straight away. Okay, this one's real hard, and maybe oh, Bowman Jesus knows this Christ. one, but Wyatt, I don't feel like you do. Carlos Colon, <laughs> <laughs> the Dudley Boys, D'Lo Brown, Taz, Mister Anderson. Here, here's oh. the game breaker. All, oh, you got it. All members of the Aces and Eights. That is correct. I have two more members listed here. Do you know who they who are? Who watched TNA during their worst period <laughs> I can't ever? believe <laughs> yeah. I did. And Aces and Aces were like, we're not going to give NWO any love. No, no, no. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dead man's hand, Wyatt. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, did, you not, I had, did you not I, watch Sons of Anarchy? Because, hey, three years I after have, the show was over, they yeah, got they a cash cool in that for you. <laughs> yeah. I have two more names listed here, Bubba. Do you know who they are? Um, who have you listed already? Anderson, the Dudley Boys, Taz... D'Lo Brown. Yep. Um, I um, listed them in order because I thought this would be deal breaker. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Doc Doc Gallows. Nope. That's not on there? Nope. Um, uh, Garrett Bischoff? No. Tito West Ortiz? Brisco? Oh, okay. And Leva Bates. Oh, yeah. You could have left them out. I would have. That would have just confused <laughs> me more. <laughs> uh, Keith Lee? Riddle? Damian Priest, Tommaso Ciampa, Walter. End of list. Mm. I believe they're in the Wolfpack Aces and Eights. <laughs> the Wolfpack. That, that's right. Aces exactly and Eights, right. right? They were in the Wolfpack Aces. The Splinter and group eights. of Aces and Eights. End of we, list, right? We referenced this in the last episode, I think. Hockey Talk Man's friends. Yeah. <laughs> They're all members of the NXT Survivor Series team. Oh. oh nice. Okay. Yeah, these are very hard. You are uh, a right. jerk. Okay. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. Oh, God. Sting. Kurt Angle. And the Dudley Boys. All members of the 2019 <sighs> Hall of Fame class? You are on the right track, but no, that is not what I was looking for. 2020 Hall of Fame class. No. 2018. No, it is in the in the category of Hall of Hall of Fame. So what were the names again? Jeff Jarrett, Sting, Kurt Angle, and the Dudley Boys. Oh, are these people that are in the TNA and WWE Hall of Fame? That is correct. Thank you. He answered for me again, so I'm up three two. Thank you, Bowman. <laughs> God damn it! Thank you, champion. <laughs> Uh, okay, last one. Uh, this is the one. That, this is the one that I based the whole premise of the quiz on. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. 
Chris Jericho, Mark Henry, The Big Show, Kane, MVP, and The Great Kelly. Oh my goodness. All potential fathers of Mae Young's glove. <laughs> no, I think that was a bit earlier than, <laughs> oh, than those They names. were around. These were wrestling. I mean, come uh, They all... Can I get that list one more time? Chris Jericho, Mark yeah. Henry, The yeah. Big Show, no. Kane, yeah. MVP, and The Great Kelly. Yeah, I'm, I'm tapping out. I don't know. All right. Uh, here's a hint for Wyatt and Wyatt only. Damn it. This has nothing to do with in-ring wrestling. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. I know what it is. That's and my I'm champion, so Bowman. angry. You can answer no. for me. Yeah, that's my champion. Answer for me. It is my turn. <laughs> Bowman, I, I bequeath this gift to you. They for... were all the badass recruited strike team in McGruber. Oh, that, yeah. that is correct. Yeah. Thank you, Bowman, for helping me with the win. <laughs> And that thus is, concludes my quiz. That's forgotten. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. Okay. Good stuff. You and your dick comments. It's fun to say them. It's fun to hear them. All right. So, uh, well, Mike Paris, that was good. Did I win? Uh, yeah, you did. But well, I, I, as my champion, I, I got the yes, win. Yes, I think answer you answered some on Wyatt's behalf. Thank you. Thank you. So much fun where even when I win, I lose. <laughs> All right. Well, that closes the book on another episode of NEW Wrestle Nation. You can follow us on Twitter at NEW WrestlePod. And be sure to also follow the Nation Extreme Wrestling account at NEW Wrestling Inc. And one last reminder, the on-sale date for NEW1 on September 11th will be this coming Wednesday, August August the 25th at 10 a.m. at nationextremewrestling.com. And just a reminder, limited seating is available. We hope to see you on September 11th. And that's it for this week. For the stanchion Wyatt Arndt, the architect Mike Paris, I am Jay Bowman. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you next time on Wrestle Nation. Wrestle Nation.